taking one more quick, yet shirtless stop into the past. It's Vidra, please. A heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. And I'm your co-host, Peter. Peter, before we talk about Enterprise and the um, season finale episode that we have watched, I instead would like to segue back into... Uh, the second best thing we talked about last week, which was Strange New Worlds, the best being clearly your Artemis Khan uh, experience. I'm glad that the listeners have been able to find such joy in that, going to such great lengths as to find convention photos and uh, me being forced to see that <laughs> when I'm Listen. being secretly photographed and not sucking it in. I am in desperate need of a diet. Uh, listen, as a fellow middle-aged man, I feel you. <laughs> I was, I was told, I was told I had a hop body. A hop body? Oh, okay. Hops I get fat it. ass for right. Stranger Things. I'm. Yeah. Okay. I'm in a bad place right now, Joe. I need help. Listen, we can only help ourselves, and that is with push-ups. So what? Oh, I was gonna say I help myself to you know thirds and fourths. Maybe <laughs> maybe I've got a little bit too much help. Um. Yeah. So. Strange New Worlds. I had watched three episodes by the time we spoke last, and the third one being um, FYI, number one's a mutant. Right. Not Mystique, but a different one. Yeah, a a different mutant. (laughs) We got into, I believe you called it the submarine episode, which was our first taste of the Gorn. Mm -hmm. Fucking great episode. Fantastic. Like just uh, something came over with a magic wand and tapped it three times and, and you know, ta-da. High that quality ep- from stem to stern. This is good. That episode wrapped and I turned to my wife and I was like, where, where has that been? I mean, it's not just me. That was a good episode. And she's like, yeah. And I think it's focusing in on one plot line. Was there a B plot there? No, it was just an A plot of the Gorn attack. There was different elements that they were balancing. Uh, there was lot flashbacks. Lon, yeah, Lon's trauma over it, like their tactics, the fact that they're on a sub hunt type of strategy with it. Like there were different threads going on, but it wasn't really like a B plot. That was a great episode. I really liked the the Red October moments. Um thinking that they were going to be able to just drop the photon torpedo and it was going to be over. And then you find out things are much worse. Uh, the use of big galactic set pieces, the brown dwarf, the black hole, all that cool shit. It was great. That was a great episode. And then we moved into the Gilligan's Island brain swap episode. Uh, which I also liked just as a just a comedy relief episode it was good. We, we watched that one and I was like, I feel like I should have hated that because that had a lot of corny shit in it, but it was still good. Like it that, felt like a classic Star Trek episode. It felt very TOS, but in a good way, you know, I don't know if I would say it felt TOS, but all of the pieces worked. It reminded me of the Neelix and Paris versus the Raptor people episode. Where it, on paper, it, it was so absurd that I'd think that I'd just say, no, this this isn't going to work. But they did it well. I thought the stuff with Spock and his wife um, getting to see each other's point of view was endearing and it worked well. And I I didn't not only did I not hate it, but it was it was it was good. I enjoyed watching. I like that they, they that's an episode that had an A plot, a B plot and a C plot, which I thought was very cool. And the you know the a plot being the the brain swap i liked that they peppered that with just enough of chapel and her kind of third wheel nature to what was going on and her own sort of like inability to connect with with other people emotionally and that she's kind of like stuck with her bad choices with that that was good who's the vasquez slash maverick character ortegas ortega like I wouldn't say I dislike her to the degree I dislike Uhura, but she is a little too much of a caricature at this point, and I she needs something human and grounded yeah, she, about her. She needs an episode. We need to know more about her. Like I went into this whole thing with 
John Morris where it's like what I, I it's like came with my backstory for her, like that she's like from this deep Starfleet family where she's like got this stereotypical like Hispanic big family and they're all in Starfleet and she's kind of like a rebel and that's why she's out like in the edge of space <laughs> flying around she doesn't want to like deal with her mom as an admiral or some shit you know yeah you like that that's actually um Star Trek Lower Decks except not played for laughs right like the idea here is that she is you know a, a non hyper comedic version of of Mariner you know I don't know man everything about her is very comedic and and I guess that's why she's not clicking for me is that again it's the flagship this is a big deal ship and I get that Pike runs a loose ship but um just she's she's the one always there with the zinger one liner uh tension breaker I guess would be the 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 function she's serving but it's just it's too much. It's Marvel yeah. levels of, of one. She, she can be too much. They need to, to turn her down and make her a little bit more serious. I love the C plot in episode five, which was the negotiation. That's was probably that the C plot. So where are you putting the scavenger hunt? The B plot. No, that's... you call that the C plot. Okay. I would, I would put the scavenger hunt as a C plot, which by the end, the force field was stupid, but uh, I did think it was cool if people, signing the oldest piece of the outer hull that hadn't been yeah. replaced. That was neat. It, and it's also a very, it's like a very Navy thing. Some of my relatives have been in the, in the Navy and the Coast Guard. And it's like some of these, these things is very like specific to actual like Navy traditions of like what enlisted and that sort of like young officers will do and that sort of thing and fuck around. I also thought the transporting directly after the gum loses its flavor reignites the flavor in the gum was so fucking cool and interesting. It was. It's like, huh? <laughs> like what? It worked. It's reconstituted. Who knew? <laughs> like brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And amazing that cheeky fun stuff like that has been in the writer room the entire time and just being misapplied to every other fucking shitty corner of Picard and discovery and whatever. Well, no, that's, I, I agree with the sentiment, but I would say the number one thing I circled when I saw it and said, this has been here the entire time. And the fact hasn't shown up net until now is inexcusable is the diplomacy subplot from that episode. That is the most perfect star Trek subplot ever. Like it is about Pike finding his way through extremely delicate negotiation with another race and finding the line and the explanation of it is perfect in terms of like why he figured it out and why Pike specifically was the kind of person who could, who, who saw like what they were looking for and, and executed on it and then explained it and it worked. And it's this hopeful swell of like the ideals of the Federation being that it is the kind of place that can do this. Yeah. And maybe that's why all the other goofy shit going on in that episode got the hall pass that it did was because the, the Star Trek skeleton was made out of titanium there. Right. And I think maybe that is the overwhelming, um, review for the show the star trek titanium is pr- star trek skeleton is present and is made of titanium i'm sorry D- durasteel is that the correct or dirt duratanium is that is that what the bulkhead's made out of because durasteel i think might be star wars i really like uh april yeah he's not a crazy he doesn't have crazy starfleet admiral syndrome it's nice. or he's you know not shown yeah wow that's a good point he is technically the enemy hmm mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, maybe they'll, you know, have some good. They'll explode his head later. You no, know, he'll, he'll turns out he's still full of control nanites or whatever from season two discovery. Right. That was where they fought. Shut up. Pixie ducks. Okay. I don't care. No, but I dig him and I, and I, and I like yeah. it. So strange new worlds going well. We'll see what the next episode brings, but we need to bring season one to a close season one, episode 26 shockwave in the memory alpha for this episode there's the following entry this episode marks the end of the first season of star trek enterprise 
the installment had the working title, Untitled Season Finale. Peter, I suggest, I submit to you that the name of, to show the sort of boringness and cookie cutout nature of this season finale is that we name this episode Untitled Season Finale. I disagree with you 100%. What? This is the first great episode of Star Trek Enterprise. Where has this quality level of episode been this entire fucking season? I was enthralled through this. I'm not saying it's the best episode of Star Trek I've seen. I'm not saying, you know, we're talking about timeless over here, but I was really struggling the past couple podcasts we've done to come up with like what my top pick for episodes this season uh, was going to be. And it's, it's this by a shoe in. I was so bored. Maybe I forgot you're bored because my- you, you already know what happens here, but like, tie this right back into strange new worlds that Gorn episode like they finally have a direction in this episode there's a cohesive plot that unites the entire episode behind it and switching the series from idle from from passive to aggressive um I don't know. It, it, it unifies everything. Seems like it's all the engines are firing in the correct order. Uh, the timing's good. And by the end of this, uh, I I really had to fight hard not to watch the second part of the, the shockwave part two. I was very bored. Uh, I forgot that the entire first half of this episode is just spent with Jonathan Archer just being sad. Ming Inkwe, what's going on? You should give pep talk from Paul. I was very over that very quickly. Aside, like, I do like the idea of, like, everyone's, like, absolutely poleaxed over the fact that they accidentally murdered 300, yeah, 3,600 people, as far as I'm aware. It, it, nothing happens in this episode until the time travel thing happens, and that doesn't happen until fucking nearly halfway through it. And then it's a lot of like training montage level. I'll uh, hear all the answers so that we can actually like bang this out. And it's neat that it's drawing on things that happened earlier in the season. Of course, like having to go consult Daniel's database for like the stealth ship. And then, you know, like all the future science that he brings into play to be able to like pull this caper off. And then they, have the least shitty gunfight of the season while they solid snake their way into it. Cool. Good enough, I suppose. But then, you know, it just ends with this, you know, submit to me. Okay. Now I'm in the future. It's over. Episodes over. Like nothing. It's spent half its runtime just spinning its wheels before it got to anything. I liked it. Uh, And let's, let's talk nitty gritty here. We, Begin with the crew of the Enterprise uh, discussing this week's adventure, and it's going to be going down to a mining colony. Uh, we get some quick fill in about the matriarchy that they have recently kind of transitioned away from. How progressive and- <laughs> they've given men rights. <laughs> uh, they decide to descend. I don't really know why Reed is involved in this little excursion. Um, especially since there is a tricky protocol that must be rigorously followed to enter the atmosphere of this mining colony because you do things the wrong way and you might just thermonuclear warfare the entire place into oblivion. So instead of bringing Mayweather, who is presumably an okay to good pilot, they bring the tactical officer who... I don't know uh, what his pilot. I I know he's a scientific whiz kid who just developed fucking shields. Yes. Force fields. He just invented them. They're they're anti-cum force fields at a minimum. Still still making sure they're working on other things. That's a good point. Uh, I know you shouldn't leave him around your drink at a nightclub. Very true. 100 percent. I know that he's like partially suicidal from shuttle pod one. But. Apparently also second best pilot, I guess. I don't know. So they take him, then they accidentally holocaust the planet. This is, 
I don't know what these people were called, but this is basically the second most brittle planet in the history of Star Trek since the Mori from Random Thoughts. We're bringing nasty thoughts to the surface could like severely cripple society. I didn't think we could come up with like a more we should not be part of the intergalactic community race until we we find out a planet where if you put the brakes on the wrong way, you're going to burn the sky off. Everyone dies immediately. Like everything on the surface of this planet will be Holocaust if anyone visiting this planet makes this mistake. And then it happens. <laughs> like Moops. Shouldn't have taken that job, guys. Yeah. You know, you just like live in your little minor life. You know, you're one of the fucking seven dwarves mining away on this planet. Hi ho, hi ho. It's off to space the rocks we go. And then your pickaxe. And then you're just dead. Accident. You're just dead. You're, everyone's dead. Your kids are dead. Your wife is dead. Your museum's everyone's, blown up. And your museum, everything, the plants, your dog, it's all dead. It's all dead instantaneously because some fucking hairless apes showed up and burnt your sky away because yeah. they, tur- they tapped on the air fire and it's all gone. Uh, so we enter the sad phase of the episode, which you were shitting on. I thought it was good. They get back up there. I like the stages of grief that Archer and the crew go through. Um, these are not soldiers. These are not seasoned space dudes, as you've pointed out many times. These are curious scientists who are out to just explore, right? There's no mission that we have really seen from Starfleet other than, hey, we need you to deploy the subspace relay network. And occasionally go do some bitch work for the Vulcans to make up for the fact that we stabbed them in the back with the Pajem incident. Uh, and here they are doing their exploration thing, getting a fair shake, and they just mass murdered a fucking planet. They can't even believe it. Like Archer is like asking, like, there has to be something. And Hoshi keeps like trying to say, like, no, literally everyone is dead. They're all dead. There's nothing left. I know you're only three generations away from the nuclear holocaust of World War Three, but like, I need you to wrap your mind around uh, wide scale mother of all bombs explosions. I like how far off of his character he falls, like to really show how shook he is, where he starts getting like mean and snippy with the crew at first while he's in this like period of uh, denial check the sensor logs again. Like he's shitty towards, uh, to Paul, like, you, you know, you've been at this three hours. I want answers. Now reads pretty steadfast that the shuttle did not vent the plasma that all the logs confirm it and that they've verified, you know, they basically took the shuttle apart and that they feel good about the answer that did not ignite. Uh, but they're not really seeing any major red flags saying, Hey, there's a mismatch on all this. So then Archer's got to do, uh, something he is loath to, and it's talk to his boss. And not only talk to his boss, but say, <laughs> uh, we, we just had a little oopsie-daisy and genocided a planet. Look, you're Jonathan Archer. You've been out in space. You have involved yourself in an interplanetary jailbreak. You've broken up an interplanetary mining operation of races that you barely know and just had met. Uh, you've antagonized the space spider people who like to capture ships and then drain them of their life essence. You have thrown hands with the Nausicans and space truckers because both of them pissed you off. And, uh, oh, you know, you better hope that that planet that you consigned to a slow death doesn't figure out warp travel because they're probably going to come after you and be pissed. And oh, yeah, the Ferengi. Like, you would do not have a stellar record of space service. God, where would you put him at right now? Like a C? <laughs> this is D-plus territory, right? What big like, wins has he had? 
I mean, do you want to call Pajama win? I wouldn't call that a win. I'd call oh, that no, getting no, in no, the no. middle yeah. or getting your fucking dick trapped in something. Like, I mean, they're still bailing. They're still like trying to the no no the Novens. That was a big mystery to Earth. What happened to them? Uh, that's not really you know you didn't really bring them home. It's not like you found a bunch of colonists that were happy for like this hero's welcoming and like bring them back and like you relocated them and you see that like these humans have basically been reduced to animals. Um, I guess you could feel good about telling the lizard people to get the fuck off a planet. Um, Olive garden like that. That was, that was a solid bro move there. Um, I mean, it was a bro move, but for a planet that can't show its appreciation aside from Yennefer, you know, no, but I mean, you could say, Hey, look, we, we did something good and like, we're never going to be able to talk to these guys again because they're in the fucking dark ages. But, you know, we there's some brownie points there. I, I'd i have to dig through the notes here, but I'm not nothing's really jumping out like, God, thank God Enterprise was there. They really saved the fucking day uh, w- without it being something involving. Vaults. Oh, the the shuttle pod one episode, they rescued that fucking ship and that you never saw you never saw yeah, the race, uh, never an saw the alien, alien race that was so important they didn't even get to be on screen yeah they rescued them and took them home and That's you it. put yourself at like serious odds with two episode two separate episodes dealing with repercussions uh because you refused to cooperate with De- dean stockwell uh, and now the guy specifically dean stockwell was trying to like collaborate with you on um by the end of this has like 16 guns to your friends heads. But yeah, Noobs. like not a great stellar record to begin with. And then you're calling your boss and being like, Hey, Admiral, listen, I just accidentally killed 360, 3000, 3,600 people. Yeah. On accident might've killed them all. My bad. We don't know what happened. <laughs> So Forrest is like, yeah, I got to go to command council, which I thought was interesting. That, that's something I'd like to see a little bit more of, like, who are Admiral Forrest's contemporaries? What are they saying? Like, is Admiral yeah, who's Forrest making really, these, who, who's making these decisions? Right. Is Forrest like constantly going to bat and excusing Archer's actions? Uh, and like, he's getting a lot of heat. Like, is Forrest like really a super bro? Uh, is the rest of the Admiralty kind of on the same page? Is it a three person council? Is there 10 people like again? These are actions being taken that permanently impact humanity as a whole. And nowhere in there, to my knowledge, is the president of Earth uh, or Earth Congress or or whatever Americanized <laughs> government uh, Braga has bestowed on Enterprise Earth. Do, do we see any like real accountability? Archer's having sad times playing with his water polo ball and being being shitty to trip and just kind of like moping while he waits to hear back from Archer from from Forrest. I like it, though, because it, it's a guy that's, again, a, a friendly do gooder. And I'm air quoting because I don't think a do gooder would leave people to rot to cancer like uh, the weakest shit waiting to happen. I mean, I, didn't you say, like, if there's any listener to the show who has any doubt whatsoever that that episode is getting the weakest shit and wouldn't bet their firstborn on it? We don't know you. Yeah, you <laughs> pretty axiomatic. You may have gotten an Archer level uh, collection of concussions. You need you need help. But Archer's a good guy. Archer has now been confronted with no evidence that it wasn't them other than a conflict um, saying that, hey, your your shuttle pod didn't vent, but your shuttle pod clearly was the origin point of all of this shit blowing up. So uh, you're a good guy. You're out to explore. You have destroyed an entire colony. You are coming. You're going to be ordered to come back in shame. Derail the entire Starfleet program, potentially two decades. Uh, and you probably feel bad because you just murdered 3,600 innocents. So like him being all bent out of shape, it works well for me. And also this is basically going to be his last day at work. I wish they would have mentioned like how long the flight home 
was supposed to take, again, them being out the furthest that any ship has ever been, even at warp four, whatever their normal cruising speed is like. Yeah, it's going to take weeks, you would assume, at a minimum, if not months, to get back. So uh, I I don't think anything else, short of losing his own crew um, or his dog dying, I don't know what else could have really been there to like drag him down any lower. So that all works for me. I felt like it just was a little bit too much when he refused to hear out to Paul's like evidence that there could be something more to what happened once that evidence becomes available. Him being pissed off about it and upset is totally understandable given the stakes. But like once to Paul's like, listen, we kind of found some little fucky here. Because we've been double checking everything. We really don't think we did this. And now we're finding some EM signatures we can't pin down. And he just is dispassionate about it. He refuses to accept this olive branch that T'Pol is bringing him to be like, there is potentially a way we can explain this. And he doesn't doesn't really seize upon it until he time travels. Let's tap the continuity here. Uh, We know that Archer unreasonably hates the Vulcans and it fleshes out here a little bit where he is tying the incident that just happened here into preconceived notions about ambassador Suval Mm -hmm. and that no matter what the truth is here, that Suval has enough evidence based on what has transpired that one way or the other, he's going to be able to cut Starfleet's dick off and it's going to be with scissors that Jonathan Archer handed him. So Again, I, I understand that like, OK, well, maybe there's something a little fuckier, but it's like you don't have a clear smoking gun. There's nothing on a silver platter. Even if I come in with something kind of like 30 percent credible, it, it's it's almost going to hurt me more to bring that up because then that's just more hope I'm putting in for Suval to crush under his heel. Whether or not Suval would or not, it doesn't matter. Suval. Keep, Ar- keep saying Suval. It's like a, he's a Vulcan named Sue. Whatever. I don't care. What's his real name? Gary. Gary Graham. Gary Graham. Well, there we go. Much easier. <laughs> Gary Graham's going to fucking stomp it out. And you're better off not even trying to defend yourself because that's just less fronts to lose on against Gary Graham. I I would accept that if the stakes weren't so dire, like they're talking about like Starfleet basically being kicked in a dick for 20 years, like no exploration for 20 years. This is what they're talking about. Which again, why does the Vulcans have any say in what earth does and doesn't do? They don't have like control over it, but they have influence. And so they're using their influence to convince them. That's kind of the vibe. And it's like, well, if that's the case, then it really matters. If you've got some evidence, even if it's not, you know, completely exonerating that it is not necessarily your fault. Right. Also, have we ever seen uh, Archer in a weakened state emotionally? Like, obviously, we saw him physically weakened when he was pumped full of cum uh, in in just as, as any man would be pumped full of cum. I mean, there's only, <laughs> there's only no so much gonna, cum you can have. No one's going to keep high spirits under that much nut. But, you know, this this is this is truly a low point for him. I liked them going around the ship and kind of exploring quickly what other people were going through. And I don't think anybody else has like the level of criminal culpability on this that Archer does short of Reed, who doesn't really seem to give a fuck. He's like, I know I didn't do this and that's all that matters. And like zero remorse out of this guy. Total serial killer. I, I'm at this point. I'm convinced that he is. As he as he puts in roofies into chicks drinks, he is murdering minors. That is just that's the read way. He's British. He's a space imperialist. He He does not care. But they get into he just thought they were a bunch of space Indians and he was going down there to take their tea. Jeez. Uh, They get to Mayweather and I'm like, oh, we might get something interesting here because it's like, oh, gosh, Stinks that we're going back already. And then I don't know if he's talking to Hoshi or what. But it was Hoshi, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, you know, I'm sure you can find another job somewhere. And he's like, well, I, you know, we're, we're all so famous. Like, yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe we're infamous. I was like, oh, God, are they going to like basically identify now that he's been like kicked out of space trucker culture and he's no longer welcome in boomer circles because he's a sellout? No, they shy away from all that. But they do touch on an interesting point where the the infamous nature he's talking about isn't him personally as a um 
as a quitter to the boomer life, but that word on his back on earth that enterprise is not exactly regarded as like a bunch of heroes, like their failures seem to be pretty well known at this point. Which is nice to hear because we've been witness to them, right? Like they don't acknowledge that directly, but they do like hint at like Enterprise has been getting its dick into a lot of people's fucking pies. It's not probably necessarily something everyone's super thrilled about. Like, what the fuck are you doing out there? This isn't good. That's that's neat that there's a little bit of acknowledgement of that. And that maybe a little bit of this is earned, right? Like maybe the murdering of 3,600 people he didn't do, but there could be other reasons why cutting you guys off is right. Like you haven't had a perfect record out there. Right. And I think that would not have been an awful conversation part to um, Archer and to Paul talking is like, you know, we've, we've come out of a couple situations, not exactly smelling of roses, but we've been able to like, keep the needle between like black and red. Right. Mm-hmm. And now we are, we are way into fucking red. Like have we <laughs> aced everything prior to this. We would still be fucked. And this yeah. would have happened. Like maybe we could have had some brownie points to like squeak us through, but it has not been a good 10 months. And now it has been a tragic 10 months. And this is the nail in the coffin for us. So eventually Archer, goes on a time trip he goes on a little adventure to yet another spacious and well-appointed san francisco apartment he's bummed out he goes to get in bed turns the light off he's got his shirt off of course it just gratuitous mouth and i want to tell you i want i I also speak that that man is as old in this as we are now and um you know maybe these are goals for you and me, when we go on our diets and go to the gym, we want to look like Jonathan Archer did in 2001. I was just about to shit on him shirtless. <laughs> now, as I sit here as a fat ass who's disgusted with his own pictures on the internet. I mean, let me, let me criticize this guy in arguably great shape. Like, he's arguably? Skinny, he doesn't have like the muscle mass on him. And it's it's interesting because normally when they got dudes with their shirt off, like they're cut, right? Mm-hmm. Was this pre this? No, this had to be post fight club. So like the sex lines are a thing. We 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 know what Brad Pitt has made uh the ideal male in Hollywood. And it's interesting just seeing like Archer like I'm a scientist and I'm in reasonably good shape but I'm not like fucking yoked. But they're going to have me shirtless as much as possible. I don't know. I'm just I'm tired of looking at his hairy chest. If if I if I looked like Jonathan Archer, I would have my shirt off all the time too. That's that is batting well above average. All right. That's good work right there. For Central Ohio. Maybe not so much for, I don't know. I just, I'm tired of seeing his tits. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm nitpicking. I'm nitpicking. I, 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 will, I will accept Jonathan Archer's tits anytime he wants to whip them out. 100%. 100%. Boy, Joe. Uh, so he gets <laughs> into bed and he, and this is going to be my, episode suggestion he has a little bout of quantum sleep <laughs> <laughs> okay i buy it i buy it and he travels back in history to another point along his own life cycle where he wakes up and uh has a little deja vu we find out this is a couple days before what was his name korg the the, the klingon known as debo yes, crash lands <laughs> yes and broken broken bow and uh he wakes up to a phone call it's trip telling him something he already knows the answer he knows what time trip wanted to meet for breakfast and lays it on him oh cap you read my mind and archer's forced to realize that he has somehow quantum sleeped back in time and why is this happening how is this happening what is going on in the moment he has these thoughts wouldn't you know it but it's crewman daniels who makes an appearance in which Archer's like, aren't you dead? And he said, yes, kind of. This is time travel. That version of me died. This version of me is still alive. And the version of you in the future doesn't exist yet. And the version of you here now knows the things from the future because time travel. And he's like, 
fuck this. And he said, I know. <laughs> like, this is all dumb. I'm sorry, but I pulled you here because you and I have to have a conversation and I don't want anyone else to see it. So I took you to the past to have it. And that conversation is, uh, you weren't supposed to accidentally kill 3,600 people, my friend. That is not in the historic ledger. Someone has fucked with your mission. Somebody is breaking the was it the, the rules of the accord. Is that how we phrase yeah, it? The temporal accord. Yes. All this is very well and interesting. However, I'm just completely distracted by the fact that it dawns on me that Daniels is like a fucking dead ringer for Mark Zuckerberg. Ooh, he is space Mark Zuckerberg. Like, especially if you look at the memory alpha where he's in his little Borg gimp suit, which I will get into later. Trust me. But look at him looking at Archer. Like, there is no part of him that is not Mark Zuckerberg. So time Zuck goes, someone's breaking the rules. So now we're going to break the rules. Prepare to get power leveled. I don't know if you're familiar with a term called metagaming. <laughs> but we about to do a bunch of it. Mm-hmm. So the, I get that like Daniel's strategy is like, okay, if someone's fucking with your mission, I'm going to fuck with them back. So I'm going to give you cheat codes. We're going to, we're going to crack this case. I'm going to tell you what actually happened as far as I'm aware. And then you're going to go. And because you know, you read the storyteller's notes, you know what the plot's going to be, you know what the plot, you know where that Sabat pack is hiding, right? You're going to go back three rooms in the dungeon. You're going to go to the Northeast corner of the room. You're going to go find the third rock behind the staircase, flip it over. There's the key to the treasure chest. So you can get the fucking loot and complete the quest. And it'll be super sus that you suddenly have all this knowledge and you're just going to have to tell them how you got it. Like there's just, you're going to have to consult a database filled with forbidden knowledge, right? You're going to crack open the DM manual mm-hmm. <laughs> to find the, the entry that you need for the magic item, but you're going to have to ignore everything else. You're not allowed to cheat beyond this. Lots of questions here, and I get that time travel sucks, and it's basically fully admitted in Star Trek at this point that it sucks, and like it's okay to just gloss over everything, but the fact that Daniels has left a database, and if you look, like I didn't even bother like watching frame by frame because I was in a rush. I was sure I recognized some of the ships flashing through there. Yeah, there were Federation ships on there. There was a Defiant was up there. Excelsior. uh, I think Akira class might have been like there's some hot shit in there. The fact that there's like cloaking technology and all the other goodness of the 24th century plus sitting in a, a holographic projector that's just been locked away. You could say, well, you know, Daniel's new, sorry, space (laughs) time Zuckerberg knew that he would need it. And that's why they left it there. But that seems like quite the gamble just to leave that thing laying around back in the 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 old west of the past. So he lays the details on him. Quantum sleeps him forward in time back to whatever the present day would have been, which what is this? Interesting on this, too. This is a uh, Rick Berman and Bran Braga directly written by. There's no teleplay. This is just these two. Just, just they did the whole thing. They made the whole meal. Alan Croker, who uh, we recognize. Where's my Starfleet dates? So we're bopping between 21. These are all. Yeah, 2152, 2150. And then we'll go forward, you know, 3052 by the end of this. Oh. What even numbers they've got there? I didn't know. No, I don't think don't there was ever that. a captain's log in this. So uh, February 2152. He gets in, he wakes up, he goes, hey, <clears throat> turn around. Get everybody down here. Uh, I know I'm going to be acting, as you put it out, like super fishy. Uh, this is Starfleet's first go at things. So they don't know about alien influence and all the other stuff that should raise off red flags. Stuff that the Voyager crew would have been quick to be like, hey, <laughs> You're not acting anything like how you were acting prior. We suspect. Doctor, scan for mind worms. (laughs) (laughs) Scan, cast, put your hands out, sense for demi cues. Let's (laughs) let's catch all the angles. You are acting like you just drank a can of Dr. Pepper that has been open for a week. 
Tuvok, did you recently mind meld with any serial killers? <laughs> What's going on here? Check him for stress fractures along his face to see if uh, Tuvok's alter ego uploaded any brain aids into him. He goes, listen, uh, here's the plan. We're going to fly back here and then trip. I need you to MacGyver up some stuff that should not exist scientifically. Yeah, like the theories of this doesn't even exist yet. I'm going to explain how it works without understanding why. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, no warnings, like never discuss this with anything. You know, don't make logs on this. This is all off the record. Like there's, there's no talk like that. And then it's everything you just said. <clears throat> he gets the he gets a copy of the script from Time Zuckerberg, along with all of the Game Master DM materials knows the exact coordinates where the Suluban cloaked vessel is that they're about to go raid. They fly over there. They deploy their uh, popsicle sticks and scotch tape Suluban cloaked ship detector system. The Suluban start waking up. They bingo their weapon systems and all these are like critical points. Like it's such blatant cheating. I love it. Yeah, it's it. It is to the point where it is so obvious that they have, have, have special information that it's part of the plot. Like that Silic's like, yeah, we got owned so hard. Clearly someone helps them. Uh, I'm like, sure 100% has aim bots. Okay. <laughs> yes. 360 no scoped us. <laughs> Did uh, you see like the shots on target on the ship? It's like, <laughs> it just like crushes. There, the the Suluban should have been getting rocked on that ship, and it should have been like them screaming in their native language, and then the subtitle should be like WTF HAX. <laughs> well, that definitely hacks when they like solid snake onto the ship, and they're like, Yeah, there's gonna be like eight of them down this hallway, and they throw a stun grenade, and they're like falling off the fucking ceilings. Like, like got them. <laughs> the Suluban just need to be like, You fucking cheaters. This is bullshit. You're using exploits. They just gun them down. It's just run and gun the whole way through. Not a single scratch on the 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 special ops away team that has gone over there. It's the least shitty gunfight of the season. No, it's good. It, and again, just the sheer metagaming of it. I loved it. It's basically three versus 20. And the three going over there, again, the, the top three command figures from Voyager. It's Trip. It's Paul. it's Archer. They don't even bring fucking Reed over. They'll bring Reed down to a planet. Or maybe he's kind of in the doghouse. They're like, listen, I know Time Zuckerberg told us that like we didn't really do it. But like, I don't know. I just I don't trust Reed anymore. Keep him on the ship. But they go in with GM weapons, right? Like they got like one shot golden guns. Like they just the, the weapon they from crushed. the end of Super Metroid where you could just fucking rail. Hyper beam. They know exactly where the discs are. They they mug them. Uh, they get out of there and they fly away just smelling scot free rosy scot free. Everything goes perfect. I've never you've never seen anything in Enterprise where just an op goes that well. And there's kind of like tinges of what was it chain of command where Archer or I'm sorry, Picard goes on the Cardassian raiding mission. Cause that's the one where he ends up, you know, there are four lights, right? They get their their Starfleet special operations onesies. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But no, none of that. They, they get away. Everything's great. Everything's good. Uh, you come out of the scene feeling a little high that they just cheated their asses off like that. <laughs> and and they like call Forrest and they're like, we got the fucking data. We can prove that we didn't fucking do it. We're headed back to the Vulcan ship. We got it in the clear. And the like fucking, uh, you know, Admiral Forrest is like, oh, that's awesome. Great job, John. Admiral Force is looking at him like you just did something real illegal. I don't I don't know what just happened here, but I know there's probably going to be a lot of rules written that what you did needs to be like hella illegal. But those rules aren't written yet. Come on back, buddy. We got a ticker tape parade waiting for you. I love to Paul's continued skepticism towards time travel. She just will not buy it no matter she was just party to the most ridiculous cheating of all time, and she still will not accept it. I love it, and I feel like this is like the the Chakotay that I came to like really love towards the later seasons of Voyager. That is just this voice of reason against whatever the captain's getting into, for better or for worse. 
and her adherence to logic, it all fits. And and everything that Archer is saying, like, you have to admit it's real. We just went through it. Everything's great. And she's like, yeah, I get we just got a ridiculous cheat code win. But there are other factors at play that could explain this other than time travel. And he's like, well, name me something. And she's like, I, I can't. Clearly because she hasn't played like RPGs and doesn't know the full breadth of ways to cheat. <laughs> Listen, you don't get a 25-0 KD ratio on yeah. a server like this unless you ask. She could have been like, well, you know, uh, maybe we're getting played and that's the Silic has been in contact with you and we just basically went through some fucking tactical theater and we're we're getting played further. But I, I like that they're she's still sticking to her guns on this whole time travels, not real thing because the like, Vulcan's science Academy said so. And I do like that. Archer's like, I'm just going to need you to believe me because it's hard enough going through this without having you not believe me. <laughs> like that's a, that was like a, a great line in the episode of like, I just need someone to believe me. <laughs> and the only way to punch that up would have been to call back to uh data's mom <clears throat> episode. And been like, show me the logic that was involved in me trusting you on her when you provided no evidence. And I just trusted you because you're my you're my dude. I need that now. And her just to be like, fair. And this scene where she's doubting his logic and he's like, I need you to buy in on this. Will tie in great with the end of the episode where he hands command over to her. I think it's a good setup. Uh, Silic goes back to his boss and is like, hacks, this is bullshit. Call steam, get the hack count banned. <laughs> no more of this. If there's anybody that's going to be cheating with time shenanigans, it needs to be us. I don't like getting got. And the boss is like, go get Archer and bring him here. Before <laughs> I take away more of your upgrades. I'm going to take Are a you... fucking leg next time. He's like, uh, yes, sir. Got it. We'll do. And they dispatch in all of their little cubelets to assault Enterprise, which Enterprise figures out because they're disrupting the warp field. And so they deploy the popsicle sticks and they see they're surrounded. And this is when Silic's like, you can get on the ship and come with me or you can fucking die. You're not doing it justice, man. They get the popsicle sticks out. there, like, ah, shit. Pan, pan the view down. Fuck, there's more of them. And then they get hailed from the cloaked ships that are like. Uh, pull over. And he's like, well, you know, I think we're doing. Yeah, hold on a second. Guys, turn all the cloaks off. You, you thought there's like six of us. There's like 18. And then the archer's like, hey, Reed, you, how many with the phasers you think you need? And Reed's like, yeah, we're fucked. Yeah, not enough. We're, we're dead. <laughs> like, they got us. And this is when he's like, okay, you know what? Time for me to take one for the team here. It's Paul. I trust you. I trust you with the fate of, of Starfleet's future to, to deliver what we've got here. Find a way out of this. I'm going to go throw myself onto the mercy of Silic and see what happens. And again, I like Silic as a, as a bad guy at this point, him referring to Archer as Jonathan continues always, to sound yeah. good. And it's just, uh, there's something about Silic too. Like his facial expressions are very Herman Munstery to me. Like I don't know if it's all the eye makeup or what, but it's like it's a very uh, over it. Like I'm, I my character sheets like 16 pages, and yours is like a paragraph. I could squash you like a fucking bug, and there is a lot of uh, just novelty in dealing with you. But like now is not the time. I'm not having a good time right now. Like my boss threatened to put my foreskin back on. Like we, <laughs> this is not good. That is not a comfortable experience. I, I will not be able to W. I need. To I, I would not be able to go to 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 Temple. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, like we we need to need to be very clear here. You can come on my ship, and if you do not get on my ship, then I have an okay just to obliterate you right now, and you are in a no win. So. That's well, how do I know I can trust you? You have my word and that's it. And Archer knows that's as good as it's going to get. Again, tying back to the conversation with DePaul earlier about I need someone to just trust me. They have forged this camaraderie late season that has really come into bloom. 
Uh, I could have gone for a little bit of a reaction from Tucker, right? From Trip. Like, how does he feel that now push has come to shove and Archer is handing the future fate of Starfleet exclusively to Vulcan hands? Very meaningful. It's a nice, like, putting a nice little, like you said, a little boat on their plot line together through season one. And he goes to go down through the turbo lift to get onto the ship. And that is when he finds himself in what a, a scene that is purposefully designed to look like ground zero at nine 11. I didn't get that. I don't, I didn't get it either watching it this time. It is what they said in the memory alpha was intended as, and probably at the time probably felt that way. Maybe it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's long enough ago now where I was like, this just looks like a ruined city. Post-apocalyptic city. He walks off the turbo lift and he walks into ruin. My thought initially was that he was on the wreckage of Enterprise. Like the, nothing about that hallway looked like it was a terrestrial destination. It looked very much like destroyed corridor of Enterprise. So he'll start wandering around there. We cut back over to Enterprise and Silic's like, your boy's picking the wrong time to fuck around right now. I made you a, a solid deal. I don't know where the hell Archer is, but now is not the time for shenanigans. And then to Paul's like, what are you talking about? He's, and then, you know, they have a quick confab and, uh, Reed's like, yeah, he's not on the ship. (laughs) She goes back to fucking Silic. Like, well, he's not on the ship. So you might want to ask your ship again, if he actually got on there, there's some confusion. Silic's fucking pissed. And I think we stay uh, fast forwarded now into what I'm going to call uh, post judgment day. That is that I do like the uh, I guess the CG art of the blown apart city. It's very intricate, very nice. And uh, Daniels is like, I literally had uh, breakfast here a half hour ago. I cannot explain what is happening. Yes, fully uh, gimped up. Time Zuckerberg emerges from the shadows. Stunned by what he has seen. Uh, half an hour ago, the vista you were looking at right now was the most beautiful thing you could have possibly seen. And uh, they will have a conversation where it becomes clear that things have escalated beyond even Time Zuckerberg's comprehension. And I think that's what really sealed me on the cliffhanger that we're going to get here because the play clearly was for Time Zuckerberg to. I don't know, though, because like Time Zuckerberg should have thought that Archer was going to go with the Scott free. And I don't think he was pulling him up from the future to save him from the Sulu bond so much as be like, what the fuck happened? Like, well, he says time Zuckerberg says, I was told that I need to bring you here because if you got on Silic ship, that was going to ruin the timeline. And then I did that. And now the timeline is a post-apocalyptic wasteland. So someone was wrong. <laughs> that was they, that's about how he puts it, right? Like, uh, run, row, raggy. We have gone done fucked up, and uh, all of my time tech is destroyed, so I can't send you back. Yeah, you're stuck here. Your crew is fucked back in the past. I'm clearly shook. My world is destroyed. Nothing is good. You have now seen me in my gimp suit, which embarrasses me. And also we are stuck on like the 98th floor of a wrecked skyscraper and I don't see any sort of like emergency escape down. So uh, we are we are super fucked. There is a lot of time. There's a lot of layers of time cheating that have gotten up to this point. And the fact that it spiraled out of control feels good because time stuff is so fucky anyways. Because it's always like just this God tier thing that just happens and makes everything better. The fact that like, oh, we've upped the stakes by making it so this shit is also busted. And now whatever they do to fix this is going to require just genuine ingenuity is an improvement. But I stand by my earlier statement, Peter. I do like that the plot gets going halfway through finally. Uh, But they spend way too much time open around. I get that it's important that like they did this bad thing happened and they have the gravity of it, but you know, you've only got 45 minutes. You're trying to wrap up the season. What, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's spending a half the rhythm, man. Like the only thing that matters is the last 10 minutes. 
in a cliffhanger. You could, and, and I liked everything prior to that, but like they get the momentum going at the end that it's, it's good. I am also going to point out, normally I don't notice this kind of stuff, but I thought that the music was really good through this episode, especially the final sequence. Like there is a lot of tension. Is this the best episode of Star Trek anything? No. Is it going to compete with the best of that we've seen out of Voyager? No, but this is a clear best episode of season one Enterprise for me. And that is uh, very sorely needed because after the past five, six, like there's been some pretty bad lows. Again, I wouldn't say as low as like a logium and some of that other horse shit. Um, but if you're going to compare it to some of the real dog shit episodes we've watched this season, I will agree it is better than that. It is because the second half of it gets somewhere eventually. But I, I do just think it was boring. I think it was too much. I think it was a little too much. Everyone's sitting around talking about how sad they are. This happened and I want more. I want I want either some more emotion out of those scenes. I want them to be more meaningful. If we're going to spend so much more, so much time on them, so much of it felt wasted. And at a certain point, I get it. I get what you're trying to communicate here. Let's get to something else. Okay. You're not, you know, we, we, you and I talked about breaking bad for a half hour before we started. And it just got me thinking about that's what like dwelling in a scene and make, you know, like allowing you to understand the grief and pain that's going on. The, those are the shows that accomplish that particularly well. And you compare like, you know, Dude, Kim you, West- you can't, you can't compare anything fucking breaking bad, better call Saul, whatever to any of this stuff. That's it's apples and dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the title of this episode. Apples and dog shit. Well, I think you're wrong, but I want to see what the fans think when they hear about this on the support group. And I want to see what input we get into the season one rip that you have already hinted at. And that is uh, the ultimate trial for the season. That's a chance for you and I to sit back and really take things in, flesh out some ideas. Uh, We've got uh, some infamous awards that we give out every season, but I already started feeling out. Um, topics from the trauma support team. Uh, and we've got some good new input for some uh, things to discuss about season one that coming some from some directions we haven't really looked at before. So I look forward to getting into that laying season one to rest. And I am very excited to pick up with shockwave part two when we begin season two and see where all this is going to go and how Archer's going to get himself out of his ultimate time debacle with a uh, gimp suit space Zucker. I'm sorry, time Zuckerberg <laughs> gimp suit time Zuckerberg adventures. He looks I'm, again. I'm looking at the screenshot of uh, time Zuck looking at Archer and he's got this black like gimp suit on and it's it's it is it's Borg reminiscent. And how good would it be that when Archer leaps forward into the mega future, the year 3000, whatever, Earth has been colonized by Borg. Time Zuckerberg is a Borg. And whatever these consequences are like, it's not hot. Listen, I don't. The the one thing that this show has going for it right now is the Borg is not involved. The show can't hurt them anymore. You know, and after what Voyager did, I I understand why that is a benefit. I'm just saying that if it was if Zuckerberg had like fucking wires and stuff coming out of his face and you see that ultimately Earth in this timeline had been assimilated and for whatever reason he was it would have been interesting, but you're right. That is fire too dangerous to play with it. It's better left untouched. And better left untouched is talking about this boring ass episode any further and we'll uh, see you next week. That's right. I get the last word, Peter. I edit it. I'm just going to edit out that moan. No one's going to know. No one.